really positive thing about this crisis is that it has shifted everybody's normal patterns of behavior. And this is the perfect moment to start trying new things and seeing what new patterns will stick. I'm leaving the planet with ideas and hopefully leaving it in a better way. I'm not leaving it, no, with my DNA. And that's okay, because there's so many more ways to have a legacy and an impact. Join together, collaborate, inspire each other, and show humanity a better way at whatever scale works for you. Vote. Vote. Like your life depends on it because it actually does. Look a bit into consumption and, and try to repair or restore the things you have before buying them, before starting a business, maybe. I'd say let's do one word, okay? So when, when it comes to clothes, I think longevity. But don't limit it to your wardrobe. You know, make it Narnia. See where you, see how far you go. Go vegan. It's the single biggest thing you can do. And it's also something that is like 100% for the majority of people in their own control. Honestly, it's easy, it's enjoyable, you feel brilliant personally, and you feel like you're making a massive impact on the environment as well. Look at the things outside your house and say, what does that tree take to grow and what does it do for me? Some people try and do everything at the same time and it just gets a bit too overwhelming. So something that's doable for you. <laughs> this is something that every one of us has to be involved in. Changing our story, changing our language educating ourselves first, raising our consciousness, changing our consciousness. Changes of consciousness are what lead to actions, which in turn lead to further changes of consciousness and the system changes. The biggest thing that we can do is just keep thinking and remembering that we're one, one of millions of species in this planet and that we have the unique responsibility to protect it. We are destroying it, we have to fix it. Hello, hello everyone. Thank you for tuning in to season two of Our New World. This podcast will come to you every other Thursday, on all of your favourite podcast platforms and is sponsored by the Millennium Alliance for Humanity and the Biosphere. Hopefully you saw from the trailer that this season we're focusing on future leaders. This includes anyone and everyone who has decided to take on the responsibility of improving our world for the next generations. The majority of guests are very young, which is exciting, but as you'll soon hear, we have all sorts of wicked inspiring people, sharing their ideas and journeys. Anna Testa is 19. Anna Testa is already an activist, public speaker and author. So she began her journey at the age of 10 and she sheds a lot of light on how you can get involved in environmental work from frankly any age. We talk about how to turn ideas into actions what gives her the confidence and motivation to keep going despite people looking down on her age, and also how she stays grounded when the environmental work feels 
heavy and a bit doomsday, as it often does at the moment. And I'm thinking a lot about the more common occurrence of heat waves and drought in areas that we wouldn't normally expect. I am so, so happy to have Hannah as my first guest to get this season kicked off. She embodies everything brilliant about what youth brings to the table on environmental activism. And with people like her pushing in areas like education and policy, it really does give us a hope on how we can tackle future global issues. So I will let our chat do the talking. I really hope you enjoy episode one of Our New World, Future Leaders. Thanks again for tuning in. Very, very excited to get this season underway. And I hope you guys enjoy. Hannah, thank you so much for joining us today. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's a proper pleasure. So your tag is uh, Hannah for Change. So you can tell us a bit about the change that you're looking to make in the world. Right, of course. So I started Hannah for Change when I was 10 years old. I'm currently 19. So it's been for most of my life. I've been, you know, doing some form of activism and it started out originally for animal rights. I was learning, like most 10 year olds, loved animals and had such passion for our planet. Um, and then once I started learning that there was endangered species and humans were driving animals to extinction, I was crushed and devastated. And I felt that there had to be something I could do. So. Like every 10 year old, I went online and I tried to find, you know, how I could be a part of the solution, how I can find resources to get involved. And from there, found organizations that were, you know, taking action, like collecting petitions or doing fundraisers. And I pitched in to help. And then through that, learned about all sorts of different issues, a lot of it environmental because of its impact on animals. And ever since, I've been advocating and speaking out. And so that's the beautiful thing about, you know, the tagline hand for change change is so broad um but all these issues are connected um and so you know when i talk about change change can be you know changing the narrative changing the status quo changing the dialogue um because a lot of times you know we have these conversations but a lot of people don't know a lot about these issues or if they do very surface level um you know maybe know a little bit about the issue but don't know how to be you know how to get involved how yeah. to do um you know whether it's, you know, changing their behaviors, um, but most importantly, you know, changing the system. A lot of these issues, um, you know, we can do our part on an individual level on our daily habits, but also, you know, going beyond that and helping how to reform the systems that, you know, are perpetuating these issues to still happen. Yeah, absolutely. Well, how did you go from loving animals? I, I, it really hits home when you say, well, 10 year olds love animals. That's essentially <laughs> what I tried to model my entire life on. Um, but how did you go from sort of helping out with these organizations to actually trying to influence your work and your future? Because I, I mean, like you said, you're 19. That's big decisions to make from <laughs> the age of 10 to even now. Right. So what sort of steps did you take from going into I'm helping out to actually making it part of your work? Right. No, that's a great question. I so when I started helping other organizations, like along the way, I was just learning a lot about, you know, what it takes, mm. um, seeing how to work campaigns and run organizations and um, got a lot of inspiration and motivation, you know, working underneath lots of different organizations and being a part of their team or just volunteering. Um, but then through that, you know, as I was learning about other issues or especially more community based um, problems, um, I just saw a need um, for certain for certain things. So I, that's when I started Hannah for Change. I was like, I want to create some of my own campaigns and own projects. And I felt that I could best do that um, with my own platform. And um, 
Originally, Hannah for Change was just a Facebook page. It was just for the people in my community to have a central space to see, you know, what I'm currently working on. If mm. I'm, you know, doing a fundraiser locally where they can go, or if I'm collecting items, you know, what I'm asking for, where they can drop it off. So it started off um, very small because it was just something that, you know, I was passionate about, wanted to help out in my community. Um, and then, you know, it's, of course, grown since then. Couldn't yeah. imagine, you know, 10 year old me, um, couldn't imagine where I'd be today. Um, but that's kind of how that started. And through that, um, started, you know, realizing how important education is on these issues. And so that's where public speaking came along. And so that's kind of how Hand for Change kind of formed um, more into what it is today on the education um, and motivation side. Yeah, definitely. I want to ask you about that because obviously, you know, being a teacher, I'm really interested in that side as well. Mm -hmm. But um, did you, did you envisage again I, I can't really imagine doing that as a 10 year old that's so much more proactive than I was being at that age but did you envisage it getting big or were you just doing local things and trying to do a community-based yeah. stuff no I never never imagined it getting big I was just you know trying to do what I could with the resources I had and I was fortunate from early on that my parents were supportive um, of what I was doing at first I think you know they weren't sure <laughs> what I was doing yeah yeah um, you know, when I, the first project I was a part of, I wanted to collect 500 petitions uh, for rhinos in South Africa. And when I was telling my parents about it, they were like, oh, we don't even know like 30 people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so cool. Did, but um, they still, you know, saw that I had this passion and the spark in my eye and they, you know, didn't want to, you know, dim that light. And so I've been, you know, so grateful that my parents have kind of let me run with it. And, mm. you know, it's grown to what it is today because of it. But you know, back then, you know, youth activism really wasn't, there wasn't really a name for it. Mm. Um, there wasn't, wasn't a platform like there is today for youth activism. So, you know, I was just doing what I love to do. Um, and I didn't really know of any young people, you know, even doing something similar. So, yeah, I think from the beginning, I really had no intention to, you know, uh, be a public speaker and, you know, to do the things that I do today. But I'm so fortunate that, you know, my life has led in this direction. Yeah, it's really cool. It is. And like you said, it's sort of a growing. I mean, it's not a growing. You know, I speak to a lot of people sort of 10 to 25. And just like you, I feel like they started it without really knowing what it was and what was happening because mm -hmm. I feel like it took for, you know, someone like Greta to make it a real youth activism to be a real yeah. big thing. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, oh, people are, people are doing this all over the world. And it's very cool to see young people doing that sort of stuff. Yeah. Did you have, apart from obviously your parents giving you that space to do it, did you feel like you had any influences in your life to sort of start getting into it? Or was it purely self-based passion that you just went, oh, I'm going to do this. You know, <laughs> I've got nothing to lose. I'm 10 years old. Right. Yeah. It was kind of a mixture of both. I think, you know, I've, you know, just with how I was growing up and how I was raised was always spending time outdoors. And my parents, you know, always wanted me to think, you know, green, we'd always recycle, try to compost where we could. I had a garden in my backyard. And I mm. think part of that is my upbringing led me to being very, you know, environmentally savvy. Um, my first kind of speech was in kindergarten. I did a show and tell on Earth Day. I grew tomato plants for each of my classmates so they can start their organic garden. Yeah. And I think almost this was like meant for me <laughs> to do the work that I do today. Yeah, um, yeah. Maybe because of how I was raised and, um, you know, taking reusable bags to the grocery store. Um, but also, you know, just as I learned more and knew that I could do something about it, um, led me to what I do. But I've been very fortunate along the way to have so many, you know, mentors or just people in my life, like teachers have played a big role. Um, but also just along the way, I've 
thankfully with social media, I've met so many other young people um, now that are involved in activism and they continue to motivate me and inspire me. And I've had so many role models who, you know, have a lot of obstacles that I face that, you know, necessarily maybe my classmates wouldn't have the same, you know, issues. Yeah. They're not as involved in this capacity. And so having, you know, so many people that I can connect with, um, I think really helps me with burnout, um, especially, you know, in today's world. Mm. And we're so you know focused on these issues it can be tiring it'd be very draining yeah so having that support system around me i think definitely helps fuel um the work that i do and motivates me to keep going yeah that's also awesome. i was going to ask about your motivation because mm -hmm. um i mean it's especially when you're 10 you know it takes a bit of confidence to sort of turn the beliefs into a voice and then into actions but then again when you're 10 it might almost be the perfect time to do it you know i speak to a lot of people who are quite keen to get involved they're probably older than 10 and they kind of want to turn that voice into something. Mm -hmm. Have you got any obstacles where your confidence has just dipped and like, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Maybe I should be doing something more straight nine fives or whatever. Mm -hmm. Can you give us any examples or any advice for people who are just like, Oh God, I can't do this anymore. How much time do you have? I yeah. Mean... Well, that's it. All right, that's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'd say the biggest one that I face most of the time is my age. Um, and I think the, it's you know it was it's kind of self-explanatory um a lot of times you know talking to people about these issues you know the first thing they notice when i walk into a room is that i'm young yeah. and i'm clearly you know a lot of times the youngest person in the room the youngest um by sometimes decades mm. um at a, you know panels at conferences um they're just not used to having youth voices in the space and part of that um, you know, discredits me um, and, you know, what I'm saying or what I'm doing because I don't necessarily have, you know, an age to my name or a degree or a career to back up, um, you know, what I'm doing. And so I, that's been something that I've noticed, whether blatantly or just underlying, um, you know, that age has been a huge obstacle. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And especially before when I was under 18, even just, you know, being a minor, you know, even logistically, sometimes that was hard um, to do things on my own. Um, but trying to like, I think a lot of times having to prove yourself, um, especially in those crowds that, you know, I do know what I'm talking about and I am passionate. And um, just because, you know, I am younger doesn't mean that I'm wrong um, or that, you know, I'm just doing this to get into college. I heard that a lot mm. as well. Um, unfortunately, they think that, you know, I'm just doing this as a, as a hustle, you know, to get into the college I want to and then call it quits once I get in. Um, so having to prove yourself was always a big obstacle um, or just being like talked down to. Um, I'd also say that as my work evolved into more uh, political organizing, um, unfortunately, environmental issues and social justice issues, as you know, has become a lot more politicized. Absolutely. We're trying to you know, bridge that gap and show, you know, these issues impact everybody. And so making this, you know, a partisan issue makes it so much more complicated. Mm. Um, and so trying to bridge that gap and try and have more open conversations with people about it who are, you know, their knee jerk instinct is to, you know, be cut off from it and just be ignorant where they can because they don't want to kind of get involved in, you know, politic political issues, even though inherently it's they're not political issues. Yeah. Is there anything that you try and do specifically to address those in, say, you're in the context of a room and you've 
you've noticed that I don't know people are treating you or you feel that people are treating you like you're young you don't know what you're talking about do you address your age is there any strategy you have for that or do you just power through and just do your thing and ignore all the voices or do you bring them into the circle and say actually I know you're all looking at me like I'm young I know what I'm talking about here yeah and I think it sometimes it's a mixture of both um sometimes you just have to pick your battles and it really you know, it just depends on the circumstance and how you know they're projecting it onto you. Um, sometimes, you know, I do bring it up and mention, you know, that my age, and I understand that, you know, I I stand out. And sometimes, you know, just being tokenized, you know, being mm-hmm. highlighted as the young person, <laughs> and you know, trying to represent all young people, even though you know I I'm just one person and I can't represent, you know, the thousands, hundreds of thousands of young people in this movement. Um, but I think part of it, you know, is trying to bring credibility where I can, whether it's, you know, statistics or resources um, or talk about, you know, projects and initiatives I've done in the past. Mm. Um, But again, you know, you can't convince anybody of anything. Um, You can only do your best. So a lot of times, you know, you just got to power through um, and, you know, you just got to pick your battles. And sometimes that's hard because sometimes it can seem so blatantly obvious. You're like, why don't you understand? Why can't you see where I'm coming from? Um, But you can only do so much and you can only share, you know, what you have to share mm. um, and you know it's up to them if they take it or receive it if, yeah if they receive it. yeah I suppose I um because it's almost like I remember a couple of years ago there was a talk about voting age here in the UK like changing voting age and what's the appropriate voting age and stuff like that I know it's, it's a little bit different of course but um so I you know I have an interesting perspective on it where I because so, I'm a teacher and educator I think youth voice is very important mm-hmm. but I also think there is an appropriate time for them like because because i think certain students and certain kids are still learning how to use those voices and that's the it's the how really it's not like you can't belittle the experience they're having but it's the how to use them um and you know that that can be a debate either way but how do you see youth activism bridging that gap do you think between um this is for awareness and a lot of people don't like that term you know we're just raising awareness but it is very important to actually impacting political decisions policies things like that right and what i've seen over the past few years how much this movement has changed already Mm. um in terms of you know getting more young people to join the movement but also how we're changing our messaging um and our activism at the beginning or not the beginning but at least my when i first started it was a lot more you know on education you know talking about these issues because most people didn't know much about plastic pollution or climate change or if they did knew very minimal amounts um let alone how to be involved and how to be a part of the solution so our first goal was you know, to educate people so that they know this is going on and how it impacts our daily lives. Because sometimes we can feel so disconnected from these issues if it's not right in our backyards. Um, So talking about how it influences our daily lives. Um, And then from there, I've noticed now that most people know a good bit about these issues. Now we have to, you know, capitalize on the group of people that we now have. Um, And so through that, you know, political organizing has been one of the biggest avenues to do that. Um, So I think youth activism plays a big role in that because, you know, we don't necessarily, most of us are not able to vote, not eligible, um, but there's still other ways to get involved politically. And social media has been a huge platform, you know, for young people to to be able to organize, um, to educate, but also to encourage other people 
to get involved in ways beyond just voting. Um, because I think voting makes us think that, oh, you know, we can participate, you know, once a year and that's all I have to do. Yeah. But there's so many other ways we can get involved. And at the end of the day, our representatives are supposed to represent us and not the other way around. So making sure that you make your voices heard um, on how you want them to address certain bills, um, how you want them to act on certain issues is so important. And there's so many ways that we can do that, not just voting. Yeah. What do you think is the most important social media tool that you use? Because I mean, it is it is such a big tool. Even I, you know, I I wouldn't consider myself old yet, but I'm <laughs> so behind the curve in so many things that yeah. that kids are doing, and I'm it is just amazing. Mm -hmm. And the gatherings of you know just ideas and people and stuff, I think is yeah. is just unique these days. Right, social media is very daunting, and I'm still even though I am a young person, by no means you know a professional. Just so quick. No. <laughs> No, I, I, sound, I sound like my parents now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, I think they each kind of serve their own purpose, and it depends on you know how you want to get your message out. But I think um, they all each have their own algorithms too. So it's it's very it's complex. Um, you know, I personally found that I prefer Instagram better, mm -hmm. um, but some people like Twitter because you can say whatever, um, you know, is on your mind and whatever current issues are going on and you can see what other people are talking about in that moment yeah. and not people you follow. Um, but a lot of people also like TikTok because, you know, anybody based on algorithms can, you know, blow up and get your videos seen. And that was a yeah. huge form of political organizing during the pandemic and during lockdown, especially here in America with the Black Lives Matter movement really taking off yeah. uh, a lot of organizing on TikTok. Um, but even Instagram like stories, I see like everyone's, you know, resharing infographics or resources on their Instagram stories. So I think yeah. these social media platforms are definitely evolving um, to accommodate for the rise of youth activism in every shape and form that each, I think, um, social media platform specializes in. It's great for messaging. I agree with all the resharing. It's fantastic for messaging. Do you use it to organize a lot of physical gatherings or is that kind of like a something that happens on, on different platforms? I think that kind of happens on, I don't know, I think it varies. For me personally, I haven't done many in-person um, events recently. Yeah. Um, but I think it just depends on, you know, kind of what your social media platform is shaped around. I think Instagram is primarily where people would organize locally. Um, I was recently part of a local protest over the Roe v. Wade decision here in America. Yep. Um, and so that was a student led protest and that was mainly organized through Instagram. Um, but I've also seen, you know, even WhatsApp groups or um, Discord. There's other different platforms that people connect with and organize with um or slack and it's been so fun to watch like how creative young people are becoming mm. um, in terms of organizing um but social media has also been a great way to just connect and communicate with people from all over the world and not just for in-person events especially you know with the pandemic you know how to organize online um and kind of collaborate even if we're not in the same zip code yeah yeah i i that again has come up social media is just fantastic for sharing information globally and start to share your own your own local experiences uh i wanted to ask you because you mentioned plastic pollution and i was interested where you got from animal rights at 10 years old mm. dreaming about this you know doing good for animals to plastic pollution you know there are obvious jumps but what was it for you that led you to focus on plastic pollution specifically yeah of course so i 
was learning a little bit about plastic pollution because of its impact on animals and learning about marine life, yeah. but I didn't really know a lot. It was just something I kind of heard about, but then um, I heard about a documentary called Plastic Paradise and that I sat down with my mom and we watched it and that's what really opened my eyes to the issue of plastic pollution. I had no idea um, you know, how big it was and how much of an impact it was having, not just on, you know, animals, but in our, our environment, but also on human health. And so I think that's what part of the thing that captivated me so much with plastic pollution was that um, it's not just, you know, an environmental issue, but it's a social justice issue. It's a mm. human health issue. Um, of course, it's a waste issue. It's a climate change issue. Um, it's connected to so many different things. But then also, you know, we're surrounded by plastic. It's yeah. everywhere. And until you really point it out and you think about how much plastic surrounds us, it's in our clothing. It's in um, now they're finding, you know, microplastics in our drinking water, in the air we breathe. It's everywhere, whether yeah. you choose to have it in your life or not. Um, so I think that was also very captivating to me because at the time, plastic pollution was not as mainstream as it is today. So most people didn't really think much about, you know, the single use plastics they had in their daily life, you know, like taking plastic bags, plastic straws, plastic water bottles. Um, but now we've become a lot more conscious um, and trying to take reusables where we can. But that's what really captivated me about plastic pollution is that we were surrounded by plastics and I felt that nobody really knew what was going on. Mm. And so that's where I felt this need of, you know, bringing awareness and education on this issue. Because I knew once I learned about this issue, I was just, fully flabbergasted. I was like, how did I not know this is going on? How is nobody else doing anything about it? Um, and so I personally made immediate changes in my daily life. And I felt that if other people knew about it, then they would do the same thing. So that's where um, most of my public speaking came from plastic organizing around plastic pollution, because I felt this need in the space for people to know what's going on. Um, and then how you know to change, you know, their daily habits. Mm. What sort of little daily habits did you change? Yeah, so, you know, the, the basics are like plastic bags, straws, water bottles, so taking reusables where you can. Um, also trying to get away from clothing with um, plastic in it. There's microfibers in our clothes, so every time you wash it and wear it, it sheds uh, plastics. So do you shop? Do you shop elsewhere or do you just really take care as to what you buy, what materials you buy? Yeah, I look at the label whenever I buy clothes and see okay. if there's polyethylene um, on the tag um, or nylon. There's certain you know names in that they describe what kind of material it is. So usually I look for you know more cotton or linen where I can. Um, but a few other things like um, trying to take reusables when I go even to like my school cafeteria um, instead of using you know the plastic utensils or plastic plates there. Um, because even if it's not, even if they are washing, you know, the plastic plates is still leaching microplastics in the food that we eat. Yeah. Um, so not only is it, you know, a waste issue, but also thinking about our own human health because plastic has been linked to so many, you know, health implications. Um, and so that's scary. And we're still kind of learning, you know, what that means for us, um, with, you know, the different toxins that are going into our bodies from plastic. Yeah. Um, but those are just a few things, but. Um, I think I'm also so used to it that sometimes I'm not even sure, you know, what people <laughs> do normally. Anymore. Yeah, yeah, it's but good to hear me. though, like, because yeah. I mean, yeah, obviously there's, you know, the plastic bag debate and there is the reusable bottles, mm -hmm. but, you know, I, I struggle. I know about these things and I'm still like, oh, why did I just get that plastic mm -hmm. bottle of whatever, you know? And right. it's but just, I will say, yeah, like, even though, you know, I've been doing this um, for you know nine years, like I am not perfect. And 
we nobody in this movement is perfect yeah um, plastic is so hard because it surrounds us especially you know grocery shopping it's so hard to find food that's not packaged in plastic and so you also have to show yourself you know grace and be patient with yourself and know that you're doing the best you can where you can because you know we see like zero waste lifestyles but generally speaking that's not accessible and you know not easy for most people to adapt to those lifestyle changes so being able to show that you know we're not all perfect in this movement um and so not being too hard on yourself isn't always the easiest but knowing that you know every little bit you do is important and you're just doing your best I, I love that message because I do find there are lots of people who say like, oh, you've got to do this. You can't, or, you know, oh my God, you right. said you're a vegan, you had this, but yeah. that also shames people out of doing it. Right. And it's, it's it is so difficult. We're so, like you said, exactly like you said, we're surrounded by the stuff. Our lifestyle is not designed to be mm. zero plastic. Right. Um, and I, just, I do think being kind to yourself, taking mm. little baby steps and being like, okay, I can do this is important. Right. Because otherwise you just, you just switch out of it. And you're like, fine. What's the point? Exactly, because you know this isn't an exclusive club. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's not like you're in or you're out. You know, we all we all do the best that we can, and at the end of the day, you know, this is a systems issue, and so putting pressure on ourselves and on other individuals isn't going to solve these issues. Um, we have to put pressure, you know, on the plastic producers at the end of the day, and on how we're doing our waste management um, instead of you know shipping plastic off to other countries um, for them to deal with and ending up in our ocean. So yeah. being hard on ourselves, you know, is is what will lead to burnout. And, you know, I've experienced burnout before. Um, we can't be putting too much pressure on ourselves or on other people because that just cuts people out, as you said. And then, yeah. then you make no progress in this movement. Yeah. It's the, uh, I've, I mean, it's such a teacher line, but I do love it. It's the classic, it's not our fault, but it's our responsibility sort of thing. It's the yeah. attitude where you're like, okay, fine. I'm doing my best here and we can do something about it rather than being a victim of yeah um but yes i try not to use that line all the time but i love it <laughs> no, but i love it <laughs> yeah um and yes sorry you again you mentioned that you do a lot of work in education which i think is the it's a really cool um journey almost where you sort of had this passion when you were younger you turned it into a voice and so now you're like trying to impact other people in a positive way and just give them options. So will you tell us a little bit about the work you do uh, with education? Yeah, so um, as I kind of talked about quite a bit earlier is, you know, focusing on, you know, bringing awareness on these issues and how they impact our daily lives, how we can be part of the solution. Um, but, you know, as that narrative has kind of changed over the years on talking about, you know, our daily individual habits, and turning that more into like system changes and how as individuals, you know, we can feel very small when we talk about, you know, the climate crisis or plastic pollution. Um, and so, you know, how we can be a part of, you know, these system changes. And a lot of that is through political organizing. So that's been a huge part of, you know, the education that I work on. And there's so many different avenues for that, which I love. And that's what one of my favorite things about youth activism is how creative young people are in approaching that. Um, for me, you know, I, I love public speaking and um, that's where I found myself um, and through organizing, but I understand that that's also not for everybody. You know, some people, you know, wouldn't feel comfortable on stage with the microphone, and but that's just my avenue. Um, but other people, you know, are artists. They love to perform mm. or they love to, you know, film videos. Um, or some people are just better, you know, with infographics and social media um, or just organizing people together. So using, you know, your natural talents to your advantage 
um, to educate and to organize people um, has been a big part of this movement and a big way of educating people because, you know, I can, again, speak in front of a crowd, but not everybody is receptive necessarily to someone speaking in front of them, whereas, you know, they might be more receptive to watching a video instead. So having this versatility in how we reach out to people, um, I think is how we get the most people involved in this movement and how we better connect with everybody. Yeah, I like that as well, because, um, again, a lot of people, I think, just switch off and they think I can't, I can't speak or I can't offer, you know, much to the, to the movement. But actually, again, it's about lots of people offering these little skills, like you said, like graphic right. design or sales. I always think salespeople would be amazing in this sort of, <laughs> I've got mates in yeah. sales, I'm like, you'd be so good at this sort of stuff because <laughs> it is about just getting lots of people together all doing what they're good at and mm. um, teaching people. Do you work directly with schools? Do you work directly with curriculum design and things like that? Or is it specifically focused on the, the public speaking? Yeah, it's a mixture of both. And it started off mainly just public speaking um, wherever, you know, people wanted me to be. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that would be, you know, a lot of times, you know, I ended up being at schools. Um, and so through that, you know, was able to develop a curriculum with an organization um, and it was called the Ocean Challenge. And uh, we talked about ocean conservation. A big part of that, of course, is plastic pollution. So um, we were able to get that in all 50 states um, and we were able to donate up to 50, no, $500,000 towards ocean conservation organizations um, through that curriculum. So that was just, you know, one part of the work that I do. But a lot of it is, you know, just going in person and talking to these kids um about ways that they can get involved and talking about you know some of my own personal stories um because you know i started off at their age yeah um you know i turned the things that they're probably passionate about right now and how i turned into action but also try to make it versatile because not everybody connects to you know environmental issues um and so i think also just my own the way i talk to people and target my audience the message that i have has changed more to the youth activism um, and motivation because we just need more people in all spaces for every issue as well. So even just trying to encourage young people when I'm talking to schools, you know, to not let their age discourage them. Mm. Um, and that there are ways that you can get involved, even if, you know, you don't think you're old enough to do something. But you've written a couple of books, haven't you? Yeah, I've written a book. It's called Taking on the Plastics Crisis. And so yeah. that's um, also, you know, another avenue I do love to write. Um, and so that's been another avenue to educate people. And so now that's being put into schools as well awesome. um, as a form to educate them on, you know, plastic pollution, but also again, share some of my own personal stories. And I also wanted to make sure that I include stories of other young people that have had success stories in plastic pollution. So I think I highlight maybe seven or eight other youth activists and many of which are, you know, my close friends now um, that, you know, have been successful in plastic pollution in several different areas, some of them, one of my friends, Shelby O'Neill, she wrote a letter to Alaska Airlines asking them to get rid of plastic straws. And that single letter led them to being the first airline to get rid of plastic straws on all their flights. Um, so something as simple as that, where one of my friends, Dyson Chi in Hawaii, helped organize students um, to get politically active and organize to convince um, the senators in Hawaii to create um, the most comprehensive plastic bag, plastic pollution ban um, in, in the US and it's in the state of Hawaii. Mm. Um, and so, you know, sharing these stories, um, I think is so important because again, you know, the work that I do um, is 
niche, you know, public speaking, that's not something that everyone feels comfortable with. So talking about ways other young people can get involved is important. Um, and, you know, putting that into schools and also sharing that someone who looks like them um, or someone around their age can also accomplish it. Because I know when I started, there wasn't many young people in the movement. And if there were, they didn't look like me. Mm. And so I wanted to make sure that there was also, you know, representation in that area. Um, I, I grew up, you know, having Malala as a role model, but that was essentially about it. Um, and so now I think there's so many young people um, and so many role models that today young people can look up to. Um, so being able to share those stories um, has been one of my favorite things to do. Really. Yeah, I bet. Because I, that's why I was interested in your influences at the beginning, because just like you said, there aren't, though there weren't, I suppose, when you were 10, you know, even just 10 years ago, there weren't that many right. youth activists. And I do that because it is, it, it, you know, that's that's the term that we use now for it. But it's people doing really important work. It's people putting themselves out there. But even 10 years ago, it was quite difficult to find people who label themselves as youth activists. So it's really, I think it's it's brilliant that you're, you and other people and lots of people I've spoken to as well are like this is a story this is a story of lots of people it's very open you guys have a voice which I think is really important for young people to hear particularly here in the UK where you know I, I have a lot of respect for educators and education systems but I think it's difficult for kids to feel like they have a voice in certain systems so I think that's brilliant it's awesome work thank you so I was interested because you were talking about burnouts and I think a lot of people can relate to that feeling of potentially being burnt out, if not having burnt out properly. And obviously the, you know, the natural world, the environment is the thing that you are passionate about, you're campaigning for. Is there a way that you, when you're feeling to that point of, oh, you know, this is quite a lot, is there something that centers you back to the reason why you're doing it, particularly when a lot of the news we hear is pretty doomsday you know every so often we get a positive news but generally their job is to present the bad news um and so is there something that centers you back to the work you're doing but also that keeps you connected to nature because that's one of the messages that keeps coming up from people i talk to yeah i love that i one of the things that i do love to do is you know spending time outdoors especially when i'm feeling overwhelmed or stressed or you know, even just a little bit of burnout, I now I can recognize it and be like, oh, I need to go outside. Mm. Um, I need to, you know, take a break and step away, um, you know, from my computer or my phone um, or from the news and, you know, just take a breath and even just appreciate, you know, the greenery. And I'm very fortunate. I live in Atlanta and it's one of the most greenest cities, um, lots of forests all around. And so I, I've been trying to go on a walk or run every day outside um, and just like appreciate you know, the greenery of it when it's not, you know, in a heat wave right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, same but, um, You know, trying to appreciate, you know, seeing nature in its, you know, best form, you know, when, especially online, you see, you know, coral reefs dying and mm. wildfires. And so, you know, trying to get away from that where I can, when I'm really starting to feel it, um, you know, really take a toll on me um, because, you know, social media has its pros and cons and, algorithms have been great but it's also it's very draining especially for activists activists when your whole algorithms is you know the doom and gloom of what's going on in the world yeah and it can be hard to escape it um so spending time outdoors you know being in the sun or going on a walk um does so much to just clear my mind and kind of reset me but i think also and um i didn't mention it earlier but i do also have a tedx talk on youth activism and 
one of the things I talk about for people is like finding your why. That's been one of the biggest things for me. And I think that's what centers me, um, as you said, mm. and definitely motivates me to like push through any obstacles is having that core um, as to why I do what I do. Why do I keep pursuing it? Um, even when, you know, there's days that really make me feel like I should stop. Um, and so everybody's why is different. But for me, you know, I want to live in a world that doesn't need protecting anymore. You know, I would love to, you know, not have to do this activism anymore as much as I do love it, you know, would love to uh, be able to, you know, have my childhood, essentially. And I also just want my younger brother to live in a world where he doesn't feel like he has to be an activist, you know, he can enjoy, you know, his time as a kid. And, you know, I did have to grow up pretty fast um, with the work that I do. Yeah. Um, and, you know, don't get me wrong, I love what I do, but I also, you know, don't want my brother to feel like he has to do that and so many other kids. But, you know, I'm in, you know, place, place of privilege to say that, you know, I chose to do this where there's so many other young people who have to do this because yeah. their livelihoods depend on it. Um, and there's so many more who, you know, that number is going to keep growing as these issues keep going on. But I know that, you know, that those those whys motivate me to keep going because you know with this privilege um and with you know the resources that i do have you know i can do something about it um and now i have a platform to to do that yeah and so kind of to motivate me and you know also even when i do feel burnt out you know do the best i can to you know redirect it but you know also accept it when it does come know when to take a break and to step back um, you don't always have to be, you know, go, go, go and, you know, pushing through it because that's also not healthy, <laughs> you know, to always uh, push yourself through it. So also, you know, taking the time to step back and be with people, you know, that I like spending time with and mm -hmm. kind of resetting myself and um, taking that break when I need it um, is also very important. And on that note, this is the question, the, the, the impossible question that we always ask everyone. Is there one thing? that you would recommend people to to help our planet yeah i would say the one thing would be to educate yourself and i know that's the whole topic of this podcast um but once you're you know you're aware of these issues and you're armed with knowledge you can then help educate others mm -hmm. and that can be you know as simple as you know a dinner table conversation or you know sharing a video online um, but once you, of course, you know, educate yourself in reliable sources. And some of my favorite are Plastic Pollution Coalition, um, Break Free from Plastic, Five Gyres. Those are my main ones for plastic pollution related issues. But mm -hmm. once you have, you know, these resources and um, especially ones that are credible, you can share that knowledge with so many other people. And that's how you, you know, organize this movement and you organize people to act, um, you know, in whatever way that they can you know in organizing speaking um and also once you educate people that's where you connect these bridges between these issues because as i said they're all connected and so we are all connected to these issues and we all share this planet at the end of the day um so being able to talk about you know maybe it doesn't impact you right now if you as you notice um but it will you know right now we're seeing so many impacts of climate change um, but being able to bring that to light and connect it to so many other issues like social justice, human health, you know, a rise in war and terror, um, you know, decrease in jobs, rise in refugees, you know, it's linked to so many issues that, you know, you may not realize, but it really does impact all of us. 
So being able to bridge those gaps is through education and having these conversations. And sometimes they're tough conversations and I won't lie. Uh, you'll find people who you know may not want to listen to what you have to say and that's okay too. Um, but being able you know, to speak up and speak out. Um, and I think we do that through education. Well, I, I couldn't have put it better at all. Um, <laughs> I don't know, I think it's uh, remarkable what you do. I think you're super inspiring and very privileged to have had you on to share your voice and your messages. And uh, I, I look forward to getting this out. Thanks oh, so much. Appreciate it. Thank you so much.